Welcome to In the Cloud. I'm Hillary Kennedy, and joining me today is Bob Venero, CEO of Future Tech Enterprise Incorporated, a global IT solutions provider serving Fortune 500 companies in the aerospace, defense, energy, hospital and health networks, manufacturing, and retail sectors. Now, on the heels of the SolarWinds hack and other cyber threats, Bob is here to discuss enterprise cybersecurity and the cloud and what we need to know. So thanks for being with us, Bob. Thank you very much for having me. Apologize about the phone there. Uh, very excited to be here today. Well, cyber attacks, they have skyrocketed globally since March 2020, targeting major corporations, small businesses, and the self-employed. And a recent McAfee Center for Strategic and International Studies report estimated that since 2018, the average cost of global cybercrime reached over $1 trillion. So what are leading enterprises doing to bolster security efforts, including why for many businesses going all cloud is not the best option? Yeah, it's a very interesting time for us, right? You're 100% right. The scale of the number of attacks and, and how bad those attacks are, are just increasing time over time. The, the sophistication of these attacks is just amazing. And the more and more that we rely on the public cloud as a solution, the more we're putting ourselves at risk, right, for those attacks. You know, it used to be in the day that you, you had, you know, your uh, environment was enclosed and encapsulated in your own facilities with your own controls and your own support. And as companies started to change that dynamic and move out to you know, public cloud scenarios, they put themselves in a position where they were at more risk right, than other organizations that had stayed from an on-prem is what we would call it. And the bigger challenge that we start to see and where, where these threat vectors are becoming larger and larger, right, as Amazon becomes bigger and Google becomes bigger, right, then those are the guys that are constantly being pounded on right, by these unscrupulous organizations and or countries sometimes that really are trying to attack and hurt us. And, uh, and I don't see that changing anytime soon, right? I only see more and more adoption. And as that adoption is taking place, there's more and more risk, right? Uh, and we really need to start to figure out how to change things and come up with a, a much more secure hybrid approach, in my opinion, uh, than an all public cloud strategy. Well, Zabob, what are some alternative solutions companies should utilize instead of the public cloud? Well, you can put a cloud in your own environment, right? There are solutions from Dell and HP and other organizations that allowed you to host your own cloud. And they help with the cost aspects of it where you're paying by the drink, kind of like you're doing in that public cloud environment anyway. So there are definitely options that are out there. Um, I, I really believe that companies need to take a look at their risk profiles. So i.e., what are those things that I can put out in the environment that are low risk for me? So that if someone hacks me, you know, and they get to see, um, you know, the, uh, the, the color of our building, you know, and the inventory that's in there that doesn't really put us at risk, fine, let that go out there. But when you talk HR records, or credit card numbers, social security information, all of that stuff, that needs to be, in my opinion, held much more closer to the vest so that you can put stronger walls around that. Now look, you're always gonna have a risk of internal theft or internal hacking, 
but that's much a smaller threat vector than the large uh, organizations, whether it's coming out from a, uh, a rogue nation um, across the globe. So many people are working from home. All of that's changing. How are companies looking at changing their strategies for supporting their growing remote workforce? Yeah, that's that's a really tough one, right? We were all thrown into, you know, holy crap, we got to put everybody at home, right? And how do we support that? Most organizations weren't ready for that. They weren't ready from an infrastructure perspective, from a support perspective, and from a hardware at the end user perspective. So what you saw was this incredible mad dash to set things up. And that's when the world ran out of notebooks, right? And laptops, there was nothing to be had because everybody went and they had to grab it to put their employees at home that normally had a desktop. Uh, it was the same thing, right? For security protocols, right? What security protocols do we have to now do, right? From a home-based perspective, they had to boost up their internet at home for these folks, because a lot of folks didn't have the proper speeds in order to work from home. It was so many different things. And then because of that environment, that also opened them up to a lot of risk, right? A lot of risk around the security attributes that are from home-based people, right? Not only from the technology perspective, but just for the home user and those people that were also going out to a Starbucks, right? Or to other areas where there's a, a form of hacking that's called visual hacking, and it's almost 100% successful, right? And we call that over the shoulder, right? It's the same thing on a plane. If you look over the shoulder of somebody, you can see, right, what they're doing. And that's, that's really a hack at the end of the day when, when people look at it. And then there, you started to see technologies that were built to protect that. So if you look at Dell and HP and Lenovo now, they have a little button that you can hit on a laptop that makes the screen unreadable from the side, right? And that is something that is now throughout almost every aspect of a notebook because of that type of hacking that's out there. So, you know, it, it's going to be more difficult as we start to see this blend of returning back to work, right, and physical locations. We've seen out there that it's probably going to be a 70-30 about 30% of the workforce is going to go back and about 70% are going to stay at their home base because it's more cost effective for the companies not to have those large real estate footprints anymore. Well, Bob, I know all of us have been guilty of using public Wi-Fi, whether we've been at a coffee shop or an airport. Can you share about the importance of cybersecurity skills and public Wi-Fi? So... Uh, I think that's an oxymoron, right? <laughs> Cybersecurity and, and public Wi-Fi. Um, you know, we're not educated properly and our employees are not educated properly on what is a safe Wi-Fi that's out there. We have to really worry about what are the technologies that we're gonna put on the devices that are gonna protect us from that public Wi-Fi. Um, a lot of times folks, you'll see these rogue uh, SSID names that out there that say, secure Wi-Fi, right? And that's really somebody putting out there that lets you think it's secure, but it's a complete hack, right? They want you on that because you say, oh, it's secure and it's open. I don't need a password. Great, let me go on that. And then all of a sudden your information is, is taken, right? There's a lot of those things, it's in re-education. So what we need to make sure is that the employee's devices have the proper security measures in place that don't allow them to get on untrusted 
public networks, right? Or immediately they have to launch a VPN that has security, right? That's tied to that, right? There's, there's a lot of different things that need to happen and it needs to change more and more. And what we're seeing a lot of companies start to do is not allowing them on public Wi-Fi, but really using their phones as hotspots, right? And securing that environment so that they can still do their work that they need, right? But not be as much risk from a public Wi-Fi perspective. Well, Bob, can you explain a little about the recent advisory jointly released by the National Security Agency, the FBI, and the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency on five public known vulnerabilities that have been exposed by Russian SBR? Yeah, um, you know, <laughs> that was an interesting release, right? Um, and if you take a look at the companies that were on there as well from a risk you know, perspective. It's a lot of the folks that you know from a daily, uh, a day-to-day -day activity perspective that you would think are secure, right? And and they're really not. You know, this the solar winds thing really opened up the eyes of a lot of folks, right? Because you really thought something was secure when it's not, right? And and these these studies and surveys that you see, this is just the tip of the iceberg, right? Now that we're starting to really understand the threats that are out there and how vulnerable we are as individuals and as a country, right? Because for whatever reason, which I think we know the reason, right? We're, we're the big target, right? The United States is a really big target um, and we haven't done a great job in securing our borders and not the physical borders, right? But the cyber borders, right? Of our organizations, our companies, and our government. Uh, and that's why there's things that are out there. There was a few years ago, I don't know if you ever saw where there was a piece of software that a very large, well-known company owned and uh, a, a Russian agency asked for the source code because they were gonna buy it, right? And, and that company actually gave them the source code. And that was the same source code that was used to protect the Pentagon and other pieces of you know, uh, software and components. And that just changed the whole dynamic around, wow, if we're gonna be able to do this, how do we control right, those software attributes and that, that data that is given to other countries and organizations? So uh, I think we're gonna see more of these types of studies right, coming out from all different areas that are gonna really show more and more of the holes that we have right, in our environments from a security perspective. And now you're gonna to start to see a lot of companies that are being born, right, that are built specifically to fill those holes, right? But then there'll be more holes, right? right. They're gonna come based <laughs> on the, you know, I, I, it's just one of those things where it's gonna be a constant battle, right, that you're gonna continually have. And, you know, the companies like McAfee and Norton and all those guys, right, they've lived this for a real long time on the virus side of the house. Right, and they are constantly fighting the viruses. Viruses, you know, today I'm safe, tomorrow I'm not. Then the next day I'm safe, tomorrow I'm not. That's what's happening now from a cyber attack perspective, not just at the virus level, right, but at the the holes that we have that they can you know take advantage of. Well, that does it for this episode of In the Cloud. Bombinero, thank you so much for joining us. This was a great conversation. Of course, we appreciate you having us on. Thank you very much. I'm your host, Hillary Kennedy. Please join us next time.